Right, uh, today's message we are recording the video and uh, the reason why we're doing it is we just had, uh, I just had many people ask me that we would um, just broadcast one of the sessions here again. Uh, we've, I mean the, the internet church we have was started from this fellowship, you know, and um, now we've got a, a big internet fellowship and web pastors and everything, you know, has grown and uh, and it all started just by broadcasting uh, messages from the church. So I'm going to ask Henry just to have the camera go over you guys and just turn around and just wave at the guy, at the people. Just say hi, we love you. You know, so uh, thank you. Yes, Dieter. They wanted to see Dieter. Come on, Dieter. Just this is this is the guy. This is him. This is Dieter, our good friend, keeping us laughing all the time. So. Um, yeah, wonderful uh, to, to do this and just to connect the two families, uh, although this message will just be, will be broadcasted this afternoon. Um, those of you that don't know, I mean, uh, that might be new here, we've got an internet church as well. Uh, we do our live broadcasts on a Sunday afternoon at 5.30. Uh, so if you've got friends somewhere in the world that need a grace-based church, they can slot in there. We've got face-to-face uh, -face groups, which is cell groups, meeting during the week. We've got... Um, uh, I think six or eight web pastors, you know, that help to shepherd this, this church. Um, it's just awesome. We, today we are launching a youth ministry um, on, the, on, the web, on the web. So uh, it's just going to be absolutely awesome. And it is already such a blessing. And what's nice about the web fellowship, it's not built around me. It's built around the gospel. You know, so I, I don't have to put something on there every day or whatever. People minister to each other. They love each other. And that is just what I've always wanted to have. And it's, it's manifesting, you know. And it's all effortless. You know, it might be hard work, but it's effortless. <laughs> Glory to God. Right. Um, so uh, let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the message of grace. Thank you for the love that you have towards us. And thank you that we can preach today uh, a message that will touch the hearts of people. Holy Spirit, speak through me in a powerful way that every person that listens to this message can be impacted with your love. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. We're talking about marriage and last Sunday um, I spoke a little bit about, uh, you know, Eve and why God created Eve. Uh, and I'm just going to recap a little bit on that and then we're going to talk about the uh, I mean last, last Sunday we spoke about the part of Adam you know and you know what his role is in marriage and how it all works and then today we're going to talk about the scriptures where it says you know wives submit to your husband and it's always been uh, seen as a scripture that is this massive thing you know of ah you know now the wife must now be a slave of the husband but we're going to just see I mean the apostle Paul which was flat out into grace preached it so we must go and look for all the grace you know in that verse and what could he mean by saying that and how would that uh, benefit the church you know and what was the context the historic context where he said this because we find today that there's there's uh, uh, a great rebellion you know um, because of the abuse that women are going through on account of scriptures like that which is not right, you know. Uh, a, a, a woman is not um, the slave of a man. She's not the, she's not the lesser. Um, you know, salvation came for women as well. You know, we find 
everybody receives salvation, but not the wife. You know, she's just a slave. And uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about those things. But we want to do it from a grace perspective. We don't want to do it from, let's look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, uh, husband, love your wife, and wife, be submissive to, submit to your husband. And that's just the way it's supposed to be. And if the Bible says it, you must do it. And if you love me, then I'll submit to you. And then the guy says, no, once you submit to me, I'll start to love you. <laughs> and it will make the loving part so much easier if you can just start to submit. And uh, you can just look at it from a grace perspective. Now, uh, in Genesis 1, uh, let us just, oh, sorry, Genesis 2, 17. I'm going to just read, what's it on 19? Let us just read that. Um, Verse 17 says, verse 16, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now, there's a lot to say about that. What it means to dress and to keep the garden. One day I'll preach on, on that. You know, it doesn't mean he was a worker in the garden. It doesn't mean that. What it actually boils down to, it, it, it says that, Adam, I give you authority and your, the garden will have its life based on you. That's what he's actually saying. He was saying that I give you authority over all these things, meaning if you live, this garden will live. But if you die, this garden will die. That's what he's actually, I put this garden under your power. It's almost like children, you know, in a certain degree they are under our power. If we introduce them to death all the time, they'll die. Now, that's the kind of a thing. Um, thank God with children, God also speaks to them individually. Uh, you know, so we can't use it as a, as a perfect example, but there's, there is, um, there's, that is a, a, an example. Now here it says, um, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it, for the day you eat thereof you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good for man, uh, it, it is not good that man should be, be alone, and I will make him a helpmeet. Um, and out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and all the fowl of the air and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. Okay. So what was this naming of the animals all about? It was actually all about finding him a help. You know? But, and why would he need a help? Because there's something that's dangerous. And it's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God said, I make Adam, you know, and he's got authority over all these things. But oh my goodness, there's a tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yes, it's not good that he's alone. It's not good that he's alone. He's going to need a help that he will not eat of that tree. So the purpose of the wife in the life of Adam was to be a reminder of his relationship, reminding him of his relationship with God, where he comes from God, and where he was, you know, where he's a being that flows out of the life of God, and the, the origin of his life comes from God. Why is it like that? God comes and from the dust of the earth. Look at the detail in the Bible. From the dust of the earth, he made all the animals. Now, the animals in those days, you know, if we just look at the narrative there, you know, it, it was, 
it talks about beings that you could actually speak to because you could speak to the snake you know the snake could speak to you it talks about kind of personalities or something but here all the animals and Adam could name all the animals that was made from the dust of the earth and he found that there's nothing that I can look at there's nothing that I can behold in the animal kingdom that could help me and assist me in this thing of I should not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and then God, God put a deep sleep on Adam and when he was sleeping from his rib or from his side he took his rib filled the rib up with flesh and formed a wife for him and then brought the wife to him and then Adam said this is flesh of my flesh bone of my bone so what he was saying is this helps me that's actually what he was saying this can help me this can assist me in what in um, you know and this was what it was supposed to be in understanding my union with God because she was taken from me if she was taken from me it will help me not to eat of this tree why because whenever I see her I'm reminded that I'm not taken from my works I'm taken from God I don't find my life in what God created in this world I find my life in coming from God that's where I find my life and you know uh, since I you know, I've been walking with this in my heart for a long time and and when I sa said let me sit down and put it into words and take the scriptures put this thing together since this you know I could articulate it and it's not just a heart thing but also a mind thing where I can think and ponder on it I, you know when I just look at Helena it is just an it's just an automatic thing I'm thinking of I'm taken from God when I look at her when I see her there's something that says you know even if she comes if she comes into the house and say Lake Norse it doesn't matter it's not in what she does it's in how we relate to the gospel and to the original plan that is the loudest voice is her existence her being the fact that she is a woman and that I am married in, in union with her reminds me all the time of my union with God that is it and that is why the why the Bible says husband love your wife as Christ loves the church how does Christ see the church Jesus was on the cross he was Adam the last Adam he was upon the cross what did God say to the lost Adam you know don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil which was what which was Satan's temptation to you know to tempt him to, to eat of I am what I do in the in, in the desert you know find your identity in your works take the stone make it a bread and find your identity out of what you do so he says I'm not gonna find, I'm not gonna do that Jesus didn't eat of that what happened then he was on the cross and then if he would be raised there there would be no one you know like him but God provided someone for Jesus that is exactly like him and the spear went into his side 
and from his side was taken water and blood flowed out and that was the birth from there from that rib from that death uh, that Christ died he forms the wife of Christ which is the church which is us and when God looks at you he says bone of my bone flesh of my flesh taken from me and he speaks to you with words of adoration he loves you he's kind to you he understands that you are the weaker vessel if you if we can call it that way you know because the bible says there husbands respect your wife as the weaker one that doesn't mean she's not intelligent it doesn't mean she doesn't have the ability to do something it just to me what Paul is doing is, is and, and what Peter did there was he's pointing to the, re, the relationship there is between Christ and the church and he knows the life of the church comes from him so when you look when I look at my wife and I look at her as the weaker one I don't say she's weak I look at her from the perspective of you know when I see her I say she comes from me I come from the Lord and I treat her and the moment I see that and I, I, I'm convinced of I come from him I immediately think of how he will treat me how does he treat me he treats me by speaking words of adoration over me he treats me with love with compassion he understands when I feel weak he understands when I go through hard times he's also lived in this world he's got compassion with me he knows what I'm going through and from there he knows that the life that I have flows from him that is what that is the truth so now the Bible goes on you know and, and we get into what we want to preach today it says there um, in um, Ephesians 5 I'm going to read it here it says out of respect for Christ be reverent to one another wives understand and support your husband in ways that shows your support for Christ it says in the King James there wives submit to your husband as you submit unto the Lord now how do you do that you know this this I, I looked at the one um, one preacher uh, I think it's dr. Brown writing asking Joseph Prince some questions you know on in some magazine you know kind of challenging the grace message now and a lot of the questions is what about all these verses that says you must do this you must do this you must do this and you know I'll answer that question I agree with all the verses that says you must do this you must do this you must do this but my question is how am I gonna do it how will I get it right that is the question if the Bible says wife submit to your husband as you submit unto the Lord okay it's a wonderful thing to say but how is she gonna get it right she's gonna get it right by not trying to do it by believing in who she is and hearing what God freely gave her in Christ and once her heart is persuaded of that truth you'll find it effortlessly flow from her life so if you come to me and you say to me Bertie love your wife as Christ loved the church what must I do must I now start loving no 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 what I must start to do is get a revelation 
of how Christ loves the church to the point where my heart feels safe in that place and once that happens I will find in this revelation that uh, of, of marriage where it talks about Christ and the church I find that emotions a passion a communication way of thinking way of doing is naturally born from the resurrection power of Christ in how I treat my wife love one another don't steal, don't drink, don't this, don't that. Do, you know, be kind, don't lie. Okay, I believe the Bible says that and it's there. And I agree with it. We should not lie. Let us not lie to one another. Let's not steal one another's stuff. Okay, but how are we going to get it right? And that's what we want to preach on. And that is the gospel. It's going to, if it doesn't come effortless... If it doesn't come as a birth from God, I want to tell you, even if it looks very good, the fruit is not born from God, but born from Hagar. It's called Ishmael. <laughs> you know, Ishmael, I'm sure, he looked like Abraham. Abraham was his daddy. Could have had Abraham smile, his eyes, his nose. Abraham was the father but the problem with it was that Ishmael was not born of the promise was born of the effort of Abraham to make the promise work where whenever we see any good work the Bible says we have been we are his workmanship created unto good works so it means, unless it comes from him working it and bringing it forth, we are busy with Hagar, which is bondage and law, trying to make the word work. The moment you try to make the word work, you're in trouble. Don't try to make the word work. The word works. Hear the word, and let the word bring a belief in your heart. And from that persuasion in the heart, the Bible says, from the heart flows the force that drives your life. So the whole thing is to have a heart persuaded about what Christ has done. The very same thing in marriage. If we say, wife, submit to the husband, what does it mean? It says, as you submit to the Lord. The word submit there, one of the meanings there is to trust. To trust. So, if I look at a healthy marriage, I look at a husband and a wife that understands this gospel. I want to tell you there is no such a thing as a real happy marriage outside of this. I don't say this not a form of joy or something in another marriage because you can find people that are Muslims that are happily married. But, but to have what was intended in marriage what God intended from the beginning can only be accessed by understanding this and having God give birth to that in your life. There's no other way. If I look at Heliana, one of the greatest things that I find um, that speaks volumes is when I can see and other people can see she trusts me. That's all. She trusts me with the decision I make. 
She trusts me. If I, you know, when I say, let's do this and this and this, and she says, no, you know, I think of this and that, and we are in a relationship. And so at the end of the day, I decide, man, we're going to do it this way. I just find that there's a trust. And that trust that is in her heart towards me, I find is actually in the Lord. So she trusts that God will always be good to us. She trusts that God will provide for us. And I find that rest and that trust that she has towards God projected towards me. And the context in which these things are written in the Old Testament was the woman was so abused by the men. They were like animals, man. They were looked down upon. And then there was like an, an uproar. You know, the woman tried to say, we are also people. And they would then resist their husbands. And they would fight with their husbands. Publicly disagree with the husband. And just cause havoc. On account of the abuse that they were going through. And then if you go and read what Peter says. He says there, you know, husbands. And, and I'm using my own words. Let's have this revelation. If I connect it to Ephesians. Let's have this revelation of Adam and Eve. And how we see we, we're taken out of God in her and how she sees that I'm taken, you know, uh, the, the woman's part is, you know, I, my dependency is upon his life. If it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for Christ, I wouldn't be here. I'm taken from him. In the very same way when a woman looks at Christ and say, I'm taken from Christ. And then when she looks at the husband and the husband is a type and a shadow of this Christ, you know, there's an, an immediate supernatural resurrection power respect that comes forth it's just the way it is so don't try and have respect by looking at what is done last week it's not going to work i found it so many times people that were not in a happy marriage the woman believes in the lord the husband is drinking and out in the bars and whatever and um, stuck in pornography and what then the husband gets saved and then 10, 15 years down the line, she's still unhappy with him. Because she's still looking at his works. He stopped to drink, he's not in the bar, he's at home every weekend or whatever, but now he's not making the coffee right, he should have done this, he should have said that, he should have said that. Not happy. But if the revelation can just be when I see him as what I, as a wife, have got an eternal voice to him in the connection of marriage, she... I, I speak about that dependency. So he has got a voice. The moment I see him, it talks about the type and the shadow there is life flows from the Lord to me. It talks about what's in the spirit already true. And once we start to walk in this people, we find grace give birth to a happy marriage. Because nobody can go and say, for this couple or for that couple you must do this or you must do that because things work differently for different people but if we can have the principle you know of of the heavenly marriage and the earthly one you know where we see the type this is a type and a shadow we find the supernatural power of God giving birth to that new life Peter comes and he says to the he says wives submit to your husband you know, basically as unto the Lord. And then those that don't want to hear the gospel by words preached will see by the conduct of the wife that there's something good with this gospel 
and they will be able to receive the Lord. Now what it means was in that time, and this is how I see it, is that women were so abused that they were so rebellious because of the husbands that was, were ill-treating them that when we are in the gospel and we get this revelation where you see the wife for what God in, as one that helps you stay away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and when the husband is seen as one that says my life comes from the Lord and that's the type and shadow and then this emotion that's born out of that revelation keeps this thing going when that is seen by people whose wives are just fighting with them and all those kind of things they say but I see this couple loving each other that speaks to me. Maybe they don't... I don't want to hear what they preach, but I can see their families happy. You know? And I've seen that... I've heard that testimony so many times. You know, people say to me, Bertie, it's so good to see the time you spend with your son. It's so good to see the way you speak about Helena. The Bible says the wife is the glory of the husband. Glory means view and opinion. The view and opinion that's formed about what the husband believes and who he is, is seen in the wife. How you speak to your wife and all those kind of things. So, when we as a couple start to see marriage not just as an agreement to live together and what the one can do for the other and how she can help me with my business and how she can help me raise my kids and how she can help me with that and how he can provide for me and all those kind of things. You know, in Africa... Africa countries, we the main thing why women want men is money reasons. You know, I must have a husband because who's going to care for me? Th that's it. I've had how many women come to me in Africa and say, I'll be a wife for you in Zambia. I mean, you also need a wife when you're here. I said, no. It's got enough trouble. <laughs> And then, and then I said, but I'm already married. She says, that's not a problem. Because then they can marry more than one, you know. So when you come here, and this is what she says, then I will clean your house for you, I'll cook for you, and whatever. But what she's after is the money that I send her every month. I mean, she's just seen me. It's true love. <laughs> true love. Thank you, Dieter. There you guys here, Dieter. He says it's true love. Love on first sight. <laughs> so in the, in, in the very same way, you know, when we, when we come to, to, the, um, you know, to the gospel, it is once the wife starts to see just that life that flows from the Lord, that the life I have is not based on, what I, on, on the works. It's based on Christ's life in me. I'm taken from Him. You know, my dependency is upon Him. I find that Lordship there. And the type and shadow of that is this guy sitting next to me. The type and shadow of that is this father of my children. When you have children, what do you see? You see, you know, I was intimate with this guy. And I am bearing his fruit. I could not bear fruit by my own. I'm bearing his fruit. This is his children. What does that say? That says, of yourself you can do nothing. But... The Lord says, abide in me and I in you, and then you will bear much fruit. So even children reminds us and keeps us away from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil where our identity is and our works. Our children, our wife, our husband. So if we look at our husband that way, you know, we will find that 
a lot of our unnecessary fighting will end because there will be an inner respect that is written inside the subconscious mind of man on account of your belief because the moment you know when we married we many times it's just something in our cognitive it has not taken place or, or, or find place in our subconscious mind in the depth of our belief once marriage comes out of the cognitive and can enter into the heart into the belief and can, can be connected to what you believe about God you'll find from that heart flows um, emotions ideas passions you know from God I wish I knew the, these things you know when I even you know before I got married it would just bring a peace to your heart it will I think if we, one can have this revelation of grace and have this um, have, have marriage go from the cognitive of what has she done and what does she want and all those kind of things into a place where we can say this woman next to me talks talks about reminds me of I was taken from him it reminds me of him saying flesh of my flesh the Bible says would you beat your own body would you harm yourself he says no you'll feed and pamper your body he says that is how Christ treats the church feeding and pampering it okay Lord what is in your mind when you look at me so when you sit there and you say this husband that's next to me this guy he when you see him you say thank you Lord you feed and pamper me you have that good and out of that comes something that you can immediately live towards him if he does the same I tell you it is just you, how can you not be happy now when I look at at my children with this in mind I would say say for the last four or five years you know this has really been in my mind concerning the fruit and looking at my children it says if you've just got a renewed respect for your very own child because you realize you know you think of you've got God is bearing this fruit in me in order for him to have, to, to, to have this fruit in me he had to go through death it, he gave me a seat in the Trinity he brings it forth in me and here I see the Son you just feel you want to just hug him <laughs> you know because you are so grateful for this fruit that you can bear now free from your effort and that your life is not dependent on the fruit anymore and now he's the type and shadow that you just want to say my son I just it's, it's like you feel that gratitude you want to hug him it's just something that comes supernaturally and that is the word that I want to want to give to you and I'm gonna just end it off by reading this um, this whole passage here Mm. okay <clears throat> the woman that was not allowed to be to speak in the synagogue what happened was part of that culture of that time was like I said the woman was looked down upon you know it would be like going to a Muslim place now and now the Muslims get saved you know now that they are saved now the woman just comes in the culture in their uh, you know a, a, a mosque or whatever and now she wants to teach the men 
It's not part of that culture. I wouldn't allow that. Even if, if I would be, uh, if, if I would have a church in a Muslim area and uh, the, the woman would get um, saved, I wouldn't allow them to teach on a Sunday. And the reason why I would do that is if the other guy from the mosque comes in to visit the service, they would say, ah, this is just a place where the woman rules, you know. Softies, these guys, this kind of a gospel they have. So it was a cultural thing, which we don't have today anymore. Our culture allows for women to teach. And I think if, you know, so many things are, we need to read, read in, the, in the context. Even where they say, let a woman not be, uh, uh, you know, have braided hair and dressed with the gold and all those kind of things. And Peter, what he was actually saying there is, he didn't say that they can't be dressed that way. He said, don't let that be what make them beautiful. But what should make them beautiful is, you know, the relationship they have with God. You know, T.B. Joshua said it this way. He said, when they said, he said, you woman from South Africa, he says, you are very beautiful outside, but very ugly inside. That's what he said, you know. And, and I think what, what happened, that, because it's a cultural thing, you know, and what you would find is, in their culture, you'll find the woman, you know, very respectful in the culture towards the man, where over there, a woman would stand up and question him. You know, say, what do you mean by this? The scripture says this, you say this. You know? And uh, a, a kind of an arrogance. And then from there he would say that. So, which I can understand why he would say that. You know, from his perspective. So I think, um, with, with Peter, when he says, I mean, I don't want, I don't want to have a in the door. You know, I want it to be dressed well. You know, I mean, she is the glory of the husband. She talks about me. I don't want her to walk here and with, with her old, uh, wrinkled up skin because she, she, she can't put any cream on her face or something like that. You know, no, I want her to look well. I want her to dress well. You know, and be, because I want to show, I want to show who I am, my love, uh, uh, you know, in her in what she owns, what she possesses, how she dresses, as well as her relationship with God. That all is, is, is speak, but what happened in that time is, which happens today as well, is everything is about clothes. The end goal is how you look in the physical. And he says, no, rather what will speak much more about the gospel than what you wear is if you as a husband and wife have got respect for one another if the people can see how the wife trusts the husband if they can see how the husband loves the wife and all of that finds how do we get it right this revelation of of our union with god in christ that will have a much greater effect you know than just now um and, and let me say this again this works when both parties, you know, partake of this truth. You will have blessing, you know, in the sense of there will be a blessedness. Say your husband's difficult, you know, and now he doesn't want to know anything about the Lord or whatever. And he's, uh, if you come and you still see that truth and you've got that natural 
love for him because you project it from where Christ is, even if he does some things wrong, you will still have that effect in a certain measure towards others because they will say and see, man, I just see, you know, this guy maybe doesn't want to know anything about the Lord, but this woman, she goes to church and I just see the love of God and the, 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 that passion of God inside her. It can still be there. And there will also be benefits because it will, the, the, the place at home will be calm or whatever. I've seen men where the guy is so passionate about the Lord, but his wife doesn't want to know anything about God. And what, he do, what does he do? He just says, well, you know, I, I see her still in this way. That from, you know, my, my union with Christ and everything. And he treats her with love and respect and whatever. And she will calmly say, well, I'm not going to church. She will not shout at him on a Sunday, you know. So there is some form of benefit. But the ideal is both people, and we are here, we sit here as couples, you know, most of us. Um, we both can grab a hold of this truth and have this benefit. And this wonderful life, marriage that's born from the Trinity dynamic, dynamics that there is in the Godhead. And that's where everything starts and that's where everything ends. Amen. So uh, let me read this in, in closing. It says, Out of respect for Christ, have reverence for one another. Wife, understand and support your husband in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does for the church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So the biggest thing is let us see Say, say to God as a, as a husband, say to God, God, I want to see how you lead me by cherishing me. We don't, we've got so few men on this planet that feel cherished by God, that can see leadership, God leading them by cherishing them. Most men don't feel cherished. So the best thing you can ever do for your marriage is to say better than buying your wife flowers, better than any of those things, go and sit down and say, God, show me how you cherish me and lead me by cherishing me. I want to see that. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. So how do we submit when God cherishes us? We say, God, you want to be good to us. You want to be good to me when you say to me. A, pr a very practical thing. If your husband comes to you and say to you, you are beautiful. Don't say to him, man, that's fat, man, you say blunt. No, it doesn't work, man. You know, submit to him. If he says you're beautiful, you say I am. Submit as he exercises that leadership by cherishing you. If he says you've got the most beautiful eyes, don't say to him, I'm so glad your eyesight's going down. That doesn't work. It, it just doesn't do it, you know. When he says, I love this in you, and I love that in you, because you must realize now, as he sees these things, he will have words that evokes your beauty. He will, say, he will start to say things that he maybe has never said in years, or ever. 
You might, you might even think he's becoming a softy. But when he comes and he's, he, 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 he does those things and he's, he shows kindness in a way, and you must realize that when this husband is going to show kindness, he's going to show it inside a certain parameter, which might be in line with how with his personality, with how he uh, uh, was brought up and whatever. This, that will be his love language. So when you start to see him do these things, submit to that love. So when he shows that love, you know, if he buys you flowers, thank God, you know, thank you my, my hubby, thank you for this. If he takes you to the coffee shop but you wanted flowers, just see at least he's taking you to the coffee shop, man. Eh? But I told him this morning I'm fat and now he wants to take me to the coffee shop. <laughs> Drink a glass of water. <laughs> you know. Yes, <laughs> Right. So husbands, go all out in your love for your wife, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving and not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. Glory to God. His words evoke her beauty. Hear how God say good things about you. This is for, true for the husband and the wife. Okay? Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how a husband ought to treat his wife. They are really doing themselves a favor since they are already one in marriage. Listen to this. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. And that's how Christ treats us, the church. Since we are part of his body, and this is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge, huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ loves the church. So in this marriage thing, Paul says, I don't understand all the types and shadows and everything, but I know that how Christ loves the church, and this talks about this marriage thing. What I said last Sunday, for those of you that haven't been here last Sunday, the Bible says, when Adam saw, listen to this, the type and shadow of this love, and when you see your husband, see Christ saying this. When Adam saw Eve, he said, for this reason, the fact that she was taken from him, a husband would leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. I always thought, you know, it doesn't really make sense. Especially if the, if the husband is the guy who inherits the farm, then the wife will leave her parents and cling to the husband. But that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about Christ. What Christ said is, since the church is taken out of my side, and she's flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone, I will not stay in heaven, but I'll come back to earth. And I will leave father and mother, and I will be with them. That's what it's talking about. I'll come to them, I'll cleave, I will be in human flesh forever. 
I'll be a human being. I'll be united with him. And now, when you see your husband submitting to him is having a life that's now born from this revelation that Christ is coming back to forever be with me and he is a physical, tangible being that I'm united with speaking of that truth. That just gives you a different perspective of your husband, a different way of treating him. And the very same, you know, uh, with a husband towards the wife. Glory to God. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for this message. Lord, when I think of this, I, I just feel a heart overwhelmed with love for Elena and for my children. In the very same way, I feel a, a love and I feel overwhelmed with love for every person that is here because we are all the body of Christ. We are all one. Thank you, Lord, for this holistic truth that is true in marriage, true in friendship, relationship, true in everything. It's true everywhere. It can be seen everywhere. Thank you for that, Father. The beauty of you saying these people are flesh of my flesh bone of my bone and I will go and live with them it overwhelms our hearts and if I think of that passion you have for us and I think of Ileana I feel just the resurrection life of Christ giving birth to emotions words of compassion, words of love towards her. Thank you, Lord, that that can be the truth from where we can live. May every married couple hear, know, and believe this. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.